0: Thank you for joining us for the sermon podcast of Northwest Presbyterian Church in Dublin, Ohio. Our church exists to celebrate the gospel through Christ-centered study, worship, and prayer, to connect in community through fellowship, accountability, shepherding, and outreach, and to love our city through sacrificial giving of time, treasure, and talents. So that it might flourish as a place where Jesus is known. For service times and more information about our church, visit npcdublin.org. And now, Pastor Dave Shooter. Well, what if we could hear the Christmas story told by the main character of the story, the Lord Jesus himself? Uh, What would that be like? How do you think he would tell it? I mean, surely... Mary and Joseph must have over the years that they had together as a young family uh, told him of the events of the evening. uh, And think of all of the details that would have been in the story, angel choirs and shepherd visitors, eventually wise men showing up from Persia. What do you think Jesus would do if he could tell the Christmas story? if you could hear it from himself, we actually uh, don't need to wonder because there is a place in scripture where Jesus does tell the Christmas story from his perspective. And when he tells it, he tells it to one of his best friends and he tells it like a dragon story. Not a uh, how-to-train-your-dragon-cute story, uh, but he tells it more like a smog-the-dragon-in-the-hobbit kind of story. He uh, tells a story of a, a treasure-hoarding, city-destroying, life-corrupting and ruining creature. Uh, he tells the dragon story in Revelation. That's how he tells the Christmas story. And he tells it uh, to one of his best friends, John, the gospel writer who we heard from a a reading ago. Uh, He tells it so that his friend will hold on to hope during a very difficult time. John, who wrote the gospel, was one of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, Jesus loved John and trusted him so much that when uh, Jesus was dying on the cross, he commended uh, that Mary would come into the home of John to be cared For him, John was one of the first people to meet Jesus alive again after his crucifixion. And John understood that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Uh, That Jesus' resurrection uh, validates as true the things that he taught, uh, like Jesus' declaration that he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And uh, and John spent the rest of his life writing and preaching and teaching uh, about Jesus. He taught that the message was hopeful. We we had the reading from the beginning of John's gospel that Jesus is the word who came in to shine in darkness and that darkness has not overcome it. But the message is also dangerous. The Christmas is a subversive message because Jesus challenges false hopes from our hearts. And he, as King of Kings, subverts the powers of people who would otherwise use fear to intimidate. Eventually, the state put John into prison. That's what happened. He, he preached, he wrote, he taught, and the Roman government of the day said enough and put John on a prison island to live out the rest of his days. And as John was on that island, discouragement must have been real. It must have seemed at moments like the darkness was overcoming the light. It must have seemed that the power of evil was big. The church seemed small. And while on that prison island... Jesus sent John a vision. He sent it through an angel and he sent it to encourage John and to us so that we might know what this is all about. <laughs> so that we might understand from the biggest perspective possible what Jesus's advent, birth, death, resurrection means. And Jesus tells John the story of Christmas as a dragon story. And what he wants is for us uh, to trust that the baby of Christmas is God's victorious king and that the baby of Christmas brings us real peace. So let me read the story from Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems, crowns, Uh, his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all of the nations with the rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. I think that this is a dragon story that we can understand. And uh, the first thing that we're to understand is that this tells us a story of truth that Christmas is about God's victorious king. Let me uh, unpack it for us a moment. Real Jesus, dead but alive again Jesus, can tell the story of Christmas however he wants. That 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 he had an infinite variety of ways to tell the story of Christmas to his hurting friend. And so he tells the story exactly like he wants to. He tells it like a dragon story. And like all good dragon stories, there's a dragon who is scary. But like all good dragon stories, the, the dragon is also scared. The dragon knows that if a dragon slayer comes... That his life, his reign, his power, all that he has hoarded, all that he hopes to pervert and destroy is coming to an end. Christmas is about the birth of the dragon slayer. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, you can understand this story. And the reason that you can understand the story is because you know how to watch a movie. Perhaps you'll watch a movie later tonight. Uh, You know that in the movie there are sights and sounds and symbols, and the symbols might be strange, but they have meaning. And the symbols in this story, in this dragon story, might sound strange, uh, but they are symbols tied to the rest of the Bible. And so the, the rest of the Bible can help us understand what's going on in this Christmas dragon story. The dragon slayer comes so that we can trust God's king and know real peace. There was a great sign that appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, And on her head, a crown of 12 stars, she was pregnant and crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. The woman represents God's people, God's 12 tribe people, Israel. And particularly, of course, Mary, who represents Israel. And why would the birth of one child from Israel be a great sign? Not just a sign, but a great sign. Sign. Well, the reason is that God's people had been for forever waiting for this child, from uh, the first moments in human history, as they are introduced to us in Genesis two and Genesis three, when uh, when Adam and Eve are tempted and deceived by a dragon, by Satan presented as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. The, the dragon comes, the dragon deceives, God's people sin, and God speaks a word to the dragon at the very beginning of the Bible. He says to the dragon, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heal. In other words, there is, from uh, the beginning of human history, a cosmic conflict between the dragon and the people of God. And the people of God wait specifically for the birth of this child. They, They wait for a generation. Adam and Eve have their first child, Cain. Cain is not the dragon slayer. Other Children of import are born throughout Scripture. None of them prove to be the dragon slayer. But now there is a moment when one mother in Israel gives birth to a child who terrifies the dragon. Because the story continues, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. And his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. A great red dragon, seven heads, ten horns. Scary. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child... He might devour it. The woman gave birth to a son. The woman representing God's people. Mary, the key representative of God's people, giving birth to the Savior. We tend on Christmas Eve, and I I certainly do this, uh, to focus on the warm and intimate moments of the nativity. We sing or we listen to uh, the carols, which remind us of the manger and the swaddling clothes, and it's right to do that. But it is also right to remember that Christmas is every bit an invasion story as D-Day in World War II. Uh, It is the story of someone entering into occupied territory to overcome evil and bring about victory. And from the beginning, Satan attempts to destroy the baby. You know how the story unfolds. Herod hears from the wise men that the king is to be born in Bethlehem. And so what does Herod do? He he wipes out all of the male children, two and younger. That's satanic. Satan tempts Christ in the wilderness. He seeks to overthrow Jesus' ministry at the very beginning. That's satanic. Demons oppose Jesus throughout Jesus' ministry. That's satanic. Judas's betrayal of Jesus at the end of Jesus' ministry is portrayed as satanic. So not just once, but over and over and over. Satan throws punches at the child born in Bethlehem and he can't win. Verse 5, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne, the rod of iron uh, has a very specific reference to the Old Testament, to God's promise to send a king who would come once and for all to calm the raging of the nations, and not mostly the raging of nations against each other, though we are well familiar with that, year by year, news story by news story, as nation opposes nation. We know how nations can rage against each other, and the stories get so tiring. We want there to be peace. But it's not just nation versus nation raging that this king uh, will come to rule over, but, but to rule over the nations who rage against God. John's experienced the full impact of this. He is living out his days on a prison island. And so Jesus tells him in the dragon story of a child who had come to rule with a rod of iron because he wants to remind John and us of Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, against his king, against his Messiah, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast their cords from us. And in verse 7, God answers that, it, that his solution to the raging of the nations is the coming of a king's son who will rule over them. Verse 7 of Psalm 2, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. In other words, you will rule over them and it won't even be hard for you. Because you're my son. You have this power. You have this authority. Jesus says to John, And he says to us, remember, I'm that king. I was born because God kept that promise. The dragon tried to take me out over and over. And there was a moment when it looked like he won. (laughs) There was a moment on a Friday outside of Jerusalem when it looked like the dragon had finally won. But then I appeared again alive. I was snatched up to heaven the resurrection, the ascension. I'm alive again today. The nations might still rage, but the King of Christmas can be trusted. He is reigning and he is returning. And that is a word of peace, secondly and finally for us. Peace for God's forgiven people. Oh. Christmas music has from the beginning been about peace, right? It's not just that, that the church has written Christmas carols about peace. It's that the church has learned from angels that this is what should be sung on Christmas because this is what the angels sang on the first Christmas. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those to whom he is pleased. But consider this just for a moment tonight lest you and I fall into the trap of thinking uh, that the peace of Christmas is merely sentimental uh, and and that the peace of of Christmas is simply emotional. Because it might be that you're here this evening and peace seems far from you. And if you're supposed to get into the spirit of peacefulness, you're not quite there yet. But what you need in order to understand the peace that the angels are singing about Uh, is you need to understand Christmas is a dragon story. Christmas is a dragon story about peace that God gives his people in heaven now and on earth until the very end. This is how the dragon story continues. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, and he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called Devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Devil means slanderer, Satan means deceiver. The loud voice in heaven, the voice of the church celebrating Christ's victory and the expulsion of the accuser, the expulsion of the slanderer, so that the church might know now in the present that Satan is defeated and that Christ has authority and that the accuser who accuses is thrown down. Let me apply this to our restlessness. Let me apply apply this to where we often lack peace. In scripture, Satan's accusations tend to focus on God's untrustworthiness and on the believer's unworthiness. This is how satan typically operates in genesis 3 in the story that i reminded us of satan tempts eve by saying that god's word isn't trustworthy in job uh, satan twice accuses job of being an unworthy believer and two lies that rob christians of peace are this that god can't be trusted or you are an unworthy believer Maybe one or both of those echo in your life this evening. Year to year, lots of times we find ourselves on Christmas Eve and uh, we feel a little bit like imposters. Everybody else seems happy. I don't, don't feel happy. Everybody else seems to have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. Year after year, people will come on Christmas Eve and maybe feel like an imposter. And, and I just have to tell you, I'm really glad that you're here because this is where you should be on Christmas Eve. But if you feel like an imposter, what you need to know about the basics of Christianity is that the basics of Christianity is not how well you've done in 2022 in the run up to Christmas Eve. That's not what Christmas Eve is about. This is not, you know, celebration night for being a super Christian all year. This is a celebration night for a Savior who comes for people who are very messed up. All of us would be imposters if Christianity was about us trying to impress God. He knows us from the inside out. And he knows even more that Jesus' victory answers the accusations. Or maybe you genuinely believe in Jesus, but 2022 has brought real misery. and Your faith is battered a bit. And the accusation comes, maybe you're just an unworthy believer. Well, Christmas is a dragon story where the dragon slayer's victory means that Satan's accusations have already been answered. (laughs) He's already spoken his worst. And the answer uh, goes like this. John who is the one who received this vision, tells us in another letter that he writes, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The dragon slayer's victory means that the answer to his accusations are not our worthiness, but Christ's worthiness. That the answer to the accusation is that uh, that that the cross has happened and that the resurrection has happened, that Jesus has borne God's judgment towards our sin. That's how we know that there is peace in the present. And finally, peace on earth to the very end. Verse 6 captures in a nutshell what verses 13 to 17 explain at length. So just Focus on verse six with me. The woman representing the church fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. In verse five, we saw that Jesus was caught up to God on his throne. The dragon slayer is out of reach of the dragon. And so the dragon turns his attention to the church. He turns his attention to the people who follow the dragon slayer. And the number 1260 is a symbolic number that describes the time that God's Old Testament people spent in the wilderness. That's really all you need to know. But if you remember the Sunday school story, God's people spent time in the wilderness, and then God brought them in to a promised land. He brought them to settle into a place of abundance, which would be their new home. And this is what Jesus wants John to remember. That God protects his people in the wilderness. God protects his people for the full amount of time that they are in the wilderness. And then when time in the wilderness is over, God brings them home. John is to know, and we are to know that God does not forget about us. He does not lose track of us. He does not fail to bring us to the right outcome that he is with us. That it is safe and sane on Christmas Eve to remember that we are not all the way home yet. It's safe and sane to remember the birth, victory, and safety of the Dragon Slayer today so that we know that what we are about tonight transcends nostalgia. Nostalgia. It transcends simply trying to create or have a moment. Not just for the moment when Christmas felt magical before everything got crazy. But it is about remembering that the baby of Christmas is the victorious king who can be trusted, that the baby of Christmas is the king who has brought us peace. Christmas Eve is a party in the wilderness. Christmas Eve is a party in the wilderness. And life might feel a little more wildernessy to you tonight. But Christmas Eve year by year is a marker in history that the dragon has lost. The dragon has lost. And that God still protects. That the dragon slayer will return. The nations will stop raging. So how should you respond wisely in the present? How do you walk out of here on Christmas Eve knowing that you've responded to the dragon story in a good and healthy way? Well, Psalm two, I think, in conclusion, shows us how to be wise. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise; be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, which means reverence. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. Take refuge in and with and behind the dragon slayer. Let him fight for you. Trust his victory. Be at peace. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more information about our church, our values, mission, and ministries, visit npcdublin.org.